I am excited about this morning because I believe uh, God's going to do something great. We're starting a, um, we're, we're going to do a short series on, um, I think, one of the best books about, about revival in the Bible. Um, the greatest, you would call, one-day revival uh, happened um, as a result of what took place in the book we're going to be studying. 600,000 people got converted and rescued in one day. 600,000 in one day. And so we're going to be in the book of Jonah. And I say that um, first because when you say the book of Jonah, people usually go, oh, you mean the book about the great fish or the, or, or, or the whale. And because uh, in Sunday school, that was the focus of Jonah. That was the whole story. Jonah is so much more than that. In fact, um, I would have to say that's more of a minor part of the story. I mean, it's important, but it's still a minor part of the story of Jonah. And I'm calling today's um, message, uh, Running Toward Your Destiny. And we're going to look at Jonah, who does the exact opposite of running toward his destiny. And what God wanted to do in, you know, in all that. So it's going to be, uh, as we look into this, I, I want to ask you to join me in prayer. Let's ask for God to help us. I believe he wants to speak to a large group of people today um, about a, a very touchy subject, I think. In, in some of our lives. And uh, I believe God wants to bring us to a new place. And, and for that to happen, I rely on the Holy Spirit. Let's ask God to help us, okay? Will you do that? Heavenly Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can come to you. And, uh, Lord, your word is so powerful. It is alive. It is sharp. Sharper than any two-edged sword. And, uh, Lord, I thank you that it's able to... to to discern, help us discern, Lord God, your word, help us to understand, Lord God, what you're saying to us. I pray that, God, it will do its work as we open our hearts to it. We know that, Lord, it's not just your word, but it's uh, open hearts to your word that cause transformation. And I pray that, Father, you would do a mighty powerful thing in our lives, Lord, I pray, in, the, in our corporate lives as a congregation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. We're going to start there with me. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And um, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying. Now, God is saying, and God is still communicating, right? God is communicating to his people. The Bible says, My sheep hear my voice, and they know. And we, if you're a child of God, if you've accepted Christ, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you belong to the Lord, you are, have the capacity to hear God's voice. And I hear people say all the time, you know, I tried, I don't really know when it's the Lord, I, I'm having a, I don't really hear God speak to me. I want you to know that you have the right to hear God's voice. And you know, there, there's, a, there's an old saying that if you want to hear God's voice, you've got to listen. It's, it, it, it takes a listening ear. It takes a willingness to hear what God is wanting to say. So as you listen, God 
you know, God is going to speak, and he is speaking, but we have to have a listening ear. But the thing that, that helps us discern God's voice from the voices that we hear around us, the voices in our, uh, you know, our, own, our own voices and our own thoughts and the voices of our culture is God's word. The more you get into God's word, the more you study God's word, the more you read God's word, the more ability you have to discern God's voice because it is his letter. And if you are in his letters, in his word, the Holy Spirit inspired word, you're going to be able to see what, to discern what is God speaking and, and what is maybe the, the voices that otherwise would be speaking to, into your head. And as you discern that, as you hear it, you'll start to recognize what is the voice of God. God's voice is distinct. And you'll understand and recognize the distinction of God's voice. But you have to be willing to listen and you have to take time to listen. Well, Jonah already had known God's voice. He knew when God was speaking. He was a, a, a prophet of God and God had spoken to him. And, and he says to him, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city... And cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, this is a great city, and it's a wicked city. And Jonah knew about this city. This, is, this wicked city was, in fact, the capital of Assyria. And as a, Assyria was a, a wicked empire. They were, they, they were a torturous empire, probably as wicked as any empire that there has been. And they, 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 they ruled over Israel. They, they, they harassed them constantly. Um, and uh, they would raid them. And they suffered under the Assyrian, um, you know, uh, kind of harassment for 70 years. And Jonah had, had, had no doubt experienced it and saw it. And he knows what kind of people that these were. In fact, if you went to Nineveh, the first thing you'd probably notice in the center of the city was a mound, a hill of heads. They would just cut, cut off people's heads and put their heads on a mound. That would, they were known for that. So if anyone came, they would, they would know that if you do not want to, they, they terrorized their neighbors so their neighbors would be way too afraid to do anything against them. And that was one of the ways they tortured him. They did it in so many other ways. I won't get into it. But it was, it, God says, their wickedness has come up before me. Now, the question probably went through Jonah's head because he, no doubt, despised these people. He despised them and, and certainly would want them to be judged. But why was God telling Jonah to go there and tell him he's going to destroy him. I'm sure what went through Jonah's head was, well, just destroy him. I mean, take him out, Lord. You want you to take him out? Take him out. Don't tell me about it. Just do it. But God doesn't, doesn't just do it. God tells him he wants him to go tell them, and Jonah knows why God wants him to go tell them. And that is because... God wants to give them opportunity to repent because God wants to pour out his grace and mercy. And sometimes, let's face it, we love God's grace and mercy when it comes to us. There are some folks that you think, you know, as Jonah probably did, why go preach to them? They're not going to respond anyhow. They're not going to respond. They're hopeless. And 
besides that, God, they deserve judgment. Because it's always the other person that deserves judgment, and we deserve mercy and grace. And we love God's mercy and grace, but not always toward everyone else. And sometimes we look at people and see, think that they're irredeemable, that they're, there's just no hope for them. And there's this, there's this, there's this thing in the gospel, there's this, this challenge that we face as we try to proclaim the great message of God's grace. Sometimes people see, and I would say that we get caught in this too, sometimes we, people see God's grace as being unfair. God's mercy as being something that isn't fair. You'll talk to people about the gospel and you'll say to them like, God wants to, you know, God really wants to, to rescue people and Jesus died for, for everyone and the whole world and anybody can come to Christ. But if you don't come to Christ, you don't have an advocate. Your sin will bind you and send you to an eternity without God. And that's hell and and you have to, there's only one way to heaven and one way to salvation. And, and God's gracious enough to take anybody. And then you'll hear someone say, you mean that this person who's, pretty, who's really a good person will end up in hell. But if, and they'll use this always, but if Hitler repented before he died, God would take him to heaven. And you're kind of in this wild dilemma like, well, yeah, that's really the truth. That's, it, it, seems, it, seems, it seems like wild grace. It seems like wild mercy. But God, God is that gracious and that merciful. Now, you, you, you know, um, Hitler didn't repent. <laughs> and, and, and that always goes to the fact that, you know, people get to the place and, and they hate God, reject God, and you do it long enough and you're going to, you're, you know, you, you live in this very tenuous place. Only, only coming to Christ is an answer. But the fact is, God's grace is able and God's mercy is able to cover and go to the depths, to people that you would never think are possible, could come, to, could be saved, and God will do it. And sometimes that, tick, that, 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 uh, that pushes against our self-righteousness. Because we think sometimes we deserve to be saved. We deserve to have that. I mean, we're, you know, we weren't that bad, maybe. So I could see God saving me and giving me grace, but I'm not sure I could see God giving that person grace. And that's what Jonah's, that's the place Jonah was in. But he also knew that God was so gracious and merciful, and he did not particularly like it. It is the main reason why he did exactly what he did in the next verse. It says, and Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. <laughs> and it's interesting, he doesn't argue with God. There's no conversation that's recorded here. God says to him, I want you to go. I want you to, to cry out against the city. I want you to go there and, and, uh, you know, and tell them that I'm going to judge them. And then Jonah, it didn't say Jonah says, no, well, Lord, I don't really want to do that. I'm not, you know, he doesn't even debate God, doesn't argue God. He runs from God. He turns and he takes off. It says Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish and listen to this extra, this phrase on it. It says, from the presence of the Lord. 
Now, he is, in his mind, in his heart, he's running from the presence of the Lord. Because where he is, where, where he is in Israel, he is, he, that's the presence of the Lord is there. So he's going to run from the presence of the Lord. Because what Jonah wants, and, and is Jonah wasn't just going to run away from, from God's direction or God's call. He wanted to get away from God's conviction. He wanted to get as far away from the presence of God as he could. He didn't want to hear from God. He didn't want to feel the conviction of his disobedience. He was trying to get as far away from God as possible. I'll hear sometimes people will say things like this. They'll say, you know, you can worship God anywhere. You really don't need to go to church. Which is true. I mean, that's, there's not something you can, need to argue about that. Even though I think um, we're, we're not supposed to, we're, we're supposed to not neglect the gathering of the, of the congregation. The Bible tells us in, in, in Hebrews uh, 10. We're, we're to be, you know, but you can be a Christian and not be at church. But that's not the point. Christians want to be as close to wherever the presence of the Lord is in our life. And that can be in our prayer closet, but it, it obviously is manifest when the body of Christ gathers together and we worship like we did here. I was sitting at the table over here worshiping the Lord and, and just sense that wonderful presence of God as we were all singing and glorifying God. And, and even though... You know, we're, we're at more distance and some of us are in our cars. We're still here together and we're worshiping God. And you sense that presence of the Lord. And what people really are saying is, I don't want to be in a place where there's that sense of the presence of God. Because you sense that. And if you're running from God, well, then, then there's a conviction that happens when you're running from God. When you're not wanting to take heed to God's call in your life. See, everyone is running somewhere. Some are running toward God and, they're, and, and, and God, their God-given destiny. And some are running from God. And sometimes God is just so gracious and so merciful that sometimes the calling, for instance, in Jonah's call was that God was going to be too gracious and too merciful to a people he couldn't stand. And he wasn't, he wasn't about that. I think also maybe in the background of, uh, of Jonah's mind, I don't think it was, that, it, it was the main reason, but I think he probably also was pretty aware that if he went to Nineveh, he probably would die. Th this was probably um, you know, an assignment in which he would not return. If he went there and preached there, can you imagine the kind of people that they were? I mean, you would... You offend them and you're, you're gone. You're, you're beheaded. And so certainly jo Jonah probably had that maybe in the back of his mind. But, but you know, when God calls us, he, his plan, his purpose is much bigger than, than, than our little world. When God has called you to something, he calls you, it's for this much grander picture, much grander point. See, I don't know where we got this idea in our life that being a Christian, that the most important thing is that we live a cushy life. I don't know where we get that idea. 
that following Jesus is just to have the most cushy life that we can. And, and I understand that, that Jesus promised that we would have life abundant, but that is not cushy. And sometimes that is, that, that is challenging, and God calls us to do and to step out. Even in this place, Jonah's life itself, and what God didn't do, notice in the call, uh, in, in the story, God did not say to Jonah, I want you to go and, and preach to that wicked city, but don't worry, I'm going to protect you, you'll be safe, nothing will happen to you, and you'll come back. God didn't say that to him. God didn't try to reassure him that he would walk in safety, that there would be no trouble. He didn't do that. He told him, I have an assignment for you. And that's all I have for you. I have an assignment. God sees the beginning from the end. God knows what's going to happen. God has a plan and a purpose. God has people to reach. There are souls that need to be rescued from eternity without him. And the only time, sometimes... That calling sometimes puts people at, in risky places in their life, un, you know, uncomfortable places in their life. But the end result is so worth it, at least to God it is. And it should be to us, and God desires for us to, to just take orders and to go and do what he asks us to do. And he went down to Joppa, it says, and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare. Now, when, when you're running from God, you're going to pay the fare, but you're not going to reach the des- your desired destination. You run from God, you might have a de- destination you want to be- go. Jonah never got to Tarshish. He will not get there. Tarshish was 2,500 miles away from where he was. Nineveh was 500 miles away. So Jonah wanted to go, and as he's running from God, he's going to go a much further distance. That's where he's, he's headed. Because you know why? When you run from God, it's, it's not easier, it's further. When you run from God, there, you, you're not, it's not better. It's, it's, it's more harsh. It's more harsh. When, you, when you're running from God, you'll spend all kind, you'll spend everything running from God, and you never get to your destination. And that's because you're called by God. Notice that this is the point, and I think one of the main points of the the entire story. God deals with Jonah different than he deals with everybody else. And God deals with you as a child of God different than he deals with anyone else. He's not going to deal with the, the, the unbelievers. He's not going to deal with the world like he deals with you. You're, you're his, and he has, he has purpose for your life. He has your, your, his child. He has eternal destination, eter, eter, eternal purposes in your life. God is preparing you for an eternity with him. That's part and parcel of all that God is doing. He has, he, God is preparing you as a bride for Christ. God is working to make you into that, you know, spotless image, that, that person that is living that life that, that is honoring to God. He's working in all of our lives this way. And folks, so this is Jonah's testimony. This is my testimony. This is your testimony. Here, here's my testimony in a phrase. My testimony is this. I ran, God chased. 
that's my testimony. I ran, God chased. He chased me down. He grabbed a hold of my, me before I even knew I wanted him. He chased me down. And, and, and my whole life, there have been times when I have ran and God has chased. But God has a way of, he, he's faster than you are. He's faster than I am. He'll catch you. And, and God will catch Jonah. Now notice that Jonah, God allows Jonah, he allows him to run. He didn't stop him right away. He didn't stop him. He allowed him to pay the fare. He allowed him to get on the boat. He allowed him to run for a while. Because that's our free will. He'll allow you to run for a while. But God is not going to let you run and run and run. If you're his. And so it says in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship was about to be broken up. Now there's something fishy about this storm. I just, I, I couldn't help myself. But... Uh, the, there's, something, there's something going on here. This isn't like a normal storm. This just comes up, and all of a sudden, and, and, and now God's caught up with Jonah, right? What was Jonah thinking? He could run from God? You can run, but you cannot hide you cannot hide from God. David said that. He says, Lord, even if I go to hell, you're there. I mean, where I am, I cannot hide from you. My hellish experiences, my place away from you. I can run, but you're always there. And we have this idea. It's kind of like the idea of my kids when they're growing up. In fact, my grandkids do this too. You'll play hide and go seek, and when they're young, you go hide and go seek, and they'll, and they'll put them, their head under a blanket, and they think they're hiding. They really do. And, you, you know, you play along. You go, okay, where's, you know, where's, where's Caden? Where's, you know, and you, you, whatever, you know, child it is. You know, where's Katie? You know, and and they're, 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 they don't, they think you can't see them because they can't see you. I don't think we've grown up. I think we do the same thing. We think that I'm, if I stay away from God and I don't see him, I, you know, I, 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 I kind of distance myself and I don't see God that God can't see me. And God the whole time is going, you know, Ricky, where are you? <laughs> no, where exactly where? He knows exactly where we are. And so here's Jonah. He's running. <clears throat> and God creates a storm. This is God's storm. Because he's running from God. And if you get a storm that's from God, you're a blessed person. I say that again. If you get a storm that is from God, you are a blessed person. Because God has chased you down. God cares enough to follow you wherever you're going, wherever you're running. He's after you. And it's intended to bless you. It's intended to put you in your proper place in God's purposes in your life. 
Verse 5 says, Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea and lightened the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had laid down and was fast asleep. He's, he's sleeping. Why? He's still hiding. There's no reference here to repentance at this point. He does repent. But at this point, even, the, even though the storm has come, the storm does not produce repentance in Jonah's life. Jonah has a characteristic that nobody in this, in this room, nobody online has. I'm sure. There, none of us have this. He's stubborn. He's just stubborn. Now, none of us have that, but Jonah had that. Right? Yeah, you're, yeah. Right. Jonah, Jonah is stubborn. He's, he's got the storm. He knows why the storm is here. He's not, he's not confused about that. He understands. He knows that this is God. He knows the storm is hit because of he's, he's running from God. And he's still not in a place of repentance. You see? And so he's asleep. And everybody else is, is afraid. Everybody else is praying. They're trying to lighten the load. And so the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Behalf your God will consider us so that we may not perish. So Jonah is asleep in so many ways. When we run from God, we try to find our sleepy ways. And I'm, you know, some, sometimes that sleepy ways is just zoning out. Not, it's zoning out with alcohol or drugs or other ways in which we numb ourselves and try to numb ourselves from, the, from hearing the voice of God. Isn't it interesting how that it, there's so, such a, um, a connection oftentimes between, you know, our addictions and our distance from God. And God is there. We've distanced ourselves in, in the way that we have, in fact, Got, our, got ourselves so tied into other things and, and other kinds of things to worship. And we just zone God out in, at, in these times. And God, God is, uh, is pursuing Jonah. And the men actually have more insight. Or I shouldn't say more insight, but at least they're more honest about what's going on. And, and so these men, um, you know, they're calling upon their God. It says... <clears throat> And then they cast lots. And it's interesting because it says, They said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots. And what do you know? It, fall, it fell on Jonah. It fell on Jonah. How could that be? Doesn't, it, doesn't God do that kind of stuff in your life? I remember as a young believer, I was, I was you know, kind of struggling. I was, trying to, I was coming out of the world, but all, almost all of my friends were, were not believers and people in, in the hangout and all of that, you know, that pressure that was going on. And I was really kind of, and, and uh, one of the things I was kind of addicted to, I, I had worked at... Um, this totally dates me, and it's okay. Um, 
I was working, I worked at the swap meet, and I used to sell music. All my music were, you know, uh, four-track tapes. There was, you know, four-track, then there was eight-track, you know. Um, started off with four-track tapes. And so I had, because of that, I could get all, all my music pretty much for almost nothing. And so I had boxes of all the, the music that I listened to. And, you know, you do that. And when you're selling, you listen to music all the time. And, and so I had my favorite. I had tons of it. And quite frankly, most of it wasn't, you know, edifying. It wasn't worship music. There wasn't anything like that. And I had filled my head with that. So when I come to Christ, my head is filled with all this, you know, secular music and, and, uh, and some of it pretty bad. And, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm listening to, to, to the wrong music all the time. And it started to affect me. I could tell it was, you know, I, I couldn't tell then, but looking back, I could tell. But it was affecting me. I, I wasn't, you know, really following the Lord as wholeheartedly as I, I should in, at that point. And two things happened uh, uh, kind of simultaneously. The first thing happened is all my music got stolen. All of it was gone. I had it all in my, I had a, I had a, um, a, a station wagon, and in the back of my wagon was all my music. It was one day stolen. So then all I had was my radio. And so I turned my radio on, of course, to the music that I like, and I'm listening to it. And I'm starting to just kind of, could feel, you know, looking back, I was, I was heading off in the wrong direction. And uh, I got in my car. I turned on my car. The music came on. But it, no, I'm saying the music didn't come on. Because I left listening to the music on my radio, but when I turned on my radio, it was it was um, it was a Bible study uh, preaching, and and so it all of a sudden I'm listening to someone who's t- saying you need to turn to God, you need to repent for your sin, and the, and he's preaching the Word of God, right? Now, how did that happen? There's these coincidences that happen when you're a child of God. They just, things happen to you. You know, lots fall on you. There's a bunch of other guys that could have fell on, but it falls on Jonah. The lot will fall on you because God is pursuing you. And if you keep your eyes open, you'll see those things that are happening. That God is working on your behalf, even when you're running from him. That God is not going to let you go in that way. And so, but, so he's trying to sleep through his destiny. And then they come, and the lot falls on him. And their life is now in in havoc. Because, see, when, when, when someone is running from God... It wreaks havoc on the lives of the people around them. When someone's running from God, it wreaks havoc on the lives of the people around them. I want to say this as a word of the Lord, as I've been, I was praying about this today, and I know that there's some people listening, maybe even here present this morning. Some of you need to throw your Jonah off the boat. Some of you need to throw your Jonah off the boat. Some of you are in relationship with people that are running from God 
and they're running and running, and your, your conversations aren't making any difference. You're not doing anything. They have infiltrated your life to a place that their life, their, their running from God is affecting you, and it's wreaking havoc in your life, and there are times when you just need to throw Jonah off the boat. And whoever that is, there's somebody that's in a relationship that is unhealthy because you're, you're in a relationship with somebody who is not going the same direction as you are. You're trying to pursue God and your destiny, and they're running from God and running from their destiny, and it's time to throw Jonah off the boat. I just want to say that to you. God wants to say that to you. God wants to free you. You do not have to carry Jonah in the boat. You don't have to go through the storm with him. He can go through it himself. God will take care of getting him to the right place if he needs to. And God has a purpose for his life. He will do that. Now, it says, then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? Where is your country? And what are your, you know, what people are you? And, and he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and dry land. The storm wakes him up to his identity. Without the storm, he was in danger of, for, of forgetting who he was. Sometimes that storm is such a blessing that it starts to wake you up and you start realizing, listen, we're in a storm right now in, in our nation. This nation's in the storm. Some is caused by God, some is caused by the devil, and some is caused by ourselves in this nation right now. But I want you to know that as a child of God, listen, when you're in the storm, you pursue God, then all of a sudden you start to recognize who you are. And that's happening right now in our world. People across this country, Christians across this country, in the midst of this thing, is starting to get to the place where they're starting to get to realize that this storm, they better call upon God. And they're starting to realize, many are starting to realize who they are in God. That they're a child of God. And God deals different with you. And you need to, and, and people who are running from God are stopping. And I'm seeing and hearing stories, and even in our own church, where there are people who had been distant from God are now turning toward God. God is doing something in all of this. The storms are good. The storms are good. God is wakening people to who they are to bring them back into their destiny in life. And so, folks, listen, don't worry about the storms. If you're not causing the storm, just take a ride, right? If you're not causing the storm, fine. You know who you are. You know your destiny. You know you're headed to the right place. Maybe you're supposed to go to Tarshish, right, and not Nineveh. That's fine. That's fine. But if you're causing the storm, you know, there's a, there's a, a phrase I've seen that caught my eye as I was studying this. It's been on some of the social media. And, it, and it, it, uh, it's, people have posted this. It says, whoever's supposed to go to Nineveh, go already. Have you seen that one? Whoever's supposed to go to Nineveh, go already. You're supposed to go, please Go. Do what God has called you to do. Do what God wants you to do. I believe that, listen, 
God wants to awaken us, and he wants, to, he wants all of us to make sure, listen, you need to go where God's calling you to go. God wants to do some changes in your life. Some of us have been running from God. We've been resistant to God. Some of you have some habits. Some of you have some hang-ups in your life. Some of you have some sin, ongoing sin in your life. God has been, for a long time, trying to get it out of your life, and you've just been going along with it. You've been running from God, and God is now calling you. He's, he's, he, because, listen, the next step. It's not the storm. It's the water. And then it's not the water. It's even tighter. It even gets tighter. See, God's calling you to repent. It's going to get tighter and worse because God has a purpose for you and it's going to happen. And I do believe that what God's end game is not only for what, what Jonah's was is our end game is the same. God wants revival. I believe God wants to bring revival. I believe God wants to bring revival in our church. I believe he wants to bring revival in our community and in our, in our country. I believe God wants to do all of these things. <clears throat> but you know what? Individually, we, we, got, we, we, gotta, we have to make a choice. Am I going to keep running from God? And all the Jonas, all the Jonas out there, and, you know, I've been a Jonah, you've been a Jonah, everybody's been a Jonah at some point. We've kind of done our own running at times. But all the Jonas right now, please, please turn around and go to Nineveh. Please do what God is calling you to do. I believe that, that, that if we will do that as a, corporately, as a church, I believe if we will make sure that we are saying yes to God when God is calling us, and not, we're not saying no simply because it's risky, or maybe it will cost us our life. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. But at some point, we have to go, okay, my life is your life. I, you know, I've, I've surrendered fully to you, Lord, whatever it takes in my life. I will serve you. And what God has called us to do, we'll do it in our life. We'll do whatever the Lord is asking for us to do. They, they, they you know, he tells them who he is and they get more afraid. And it's interesting, <clears throat> you know, they ask him what, what it would do to calm the sea, and he tells them, he's not, a, and, and they, they say, you throw, um, throw me overboard, and I'll, you know, everything will be fine. And they are, they do something else. It's interesting because the scripture says, nevertheless, the men rode harder, verse 13, uh, to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. So sometimes, to our shame. Sometimes the ungodly are more compassionate than a backslidden Christian. It's just a fact. He doesn't care as much about them as they're caring about him because they're trying, they, they know that the answer is to throw him overboard, but they're trying harder to get him to shore. They don't really want to do that. But then when they do, they, they cry out to the Lord. They, the, the scripture says in verse 14, they cried out to the Lord and said, we pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not change, charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Whoa. These are the people who don't even worship God. They, they have their own gods, but now they're praying to God. 
What happened? You see, even when you're running from God, you are so potent, you can make it, you can affect the world for God anyhow. God can still use you even when you're running from God. But simply because God does use you, don't, doesn't make, you know, you don't come to the conclusion then that now you're right in the middle of the will of God. Just because God uses, God can use a donkey, right? And he'll use us too. And he uses Jonah in this, even though he's running from God. But he's not in the will of God, the middle of the will of God. God just uses him. That's how potent you are. That you have the truth. I've seen backslidden Christians lead others to Christ. In fact, I know people in the church today that are born again and were led to Jesus by a totally backslidden Christian. Living ungodly, but they're kind of both living ungodly. One one guy was telling me this story about how he was drunk and his friend was drunk and he was miserable and he was telling him how miserable he was and his drunk friend says, yo, you need Jesus. And he said, and he leads him to Jesus while he's drunk. Why? Because the word of God doesn't return void. So even though the guy was living ungodly, he then, though, spoke the truth. The guy heard the truth. His friend gets saved. This guy gets saved, right? And his, the guy who led him to the Lord still is away from God. But this guy's saved. And now, you know, on fire for Jesus and loving God. Now, how does that happen? Well, God can use anybody, right? But God has a bigger plan than a couple of people on a ship. God has thousands and thousands and thousands of people in mind. If Jonah will simply say yes to God's purpose and God's plan for him. And so they pick him up. There's no other choice. They throw him out in the water. And what looked like the worst place for Jonah is actually the best place for Jonah. The storm is the best place, right in the middle of it, right in the water. <clears throat> then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. And they're praying, they're, they're totally worshiping God now. And then the Lord, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Listen, the whale swam to his destination. You know, Jonah was running from his. You know, the only purpose for that fish or whale, I don't know. The the, the purpose for that fish or whale was simply to swallow Jonah. That was his purpose. And he, he, he fulfilled his purpose. And Jonah would fulfill his, but he had to get in a tighter spot. And he would eventually respond. He would eventually repent. He would eventually give in. You know, God's got him in a headlock. He says, you're going to give? No. 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 Going to get, no. Yes. (laughs) 
Some of you are out of the storm. Some of you are in the tight spot. It is a whole lot better and easier to simply say yes to God. Some of you have been fighting God on some simple things in life. Some, some patterns, some addictions, some things that you just think you just have to have. God's been trying to free you. He has a purpose. He has greater destiny for you. Some of you have been resisting simple things. God's been wanting you to speak to somebody. Maybe, maybe it's this guy at work or this neighbor across the street, and you know what? They're never going to come, right? They're, just, they're never going to say yes to Jesus. You know that. They, they hate the Lord, and they don't like that you're a Christian, and, and you just know that you know, if you say anything about the Lord, then they're probably just not going to, you know, they're going to verbally attack you. You don't know. But you just feel this prompting. Why do you feel that? Maybe you ought to give in. I mean, I don't know how in what direction you're supposed to go. Some are supposed to go to Nineveh. Some are supposed to go to Tarshish. Some are supposed to go, I don't know, where you're supposed to go to Joppa. What it is God has for you, that's between you and him. But I believe, I believe God doesn't bring a storm unless you already knew what you're running from. So if you are running, if you're in a storm that is created by God for you, then you know why. And if you're in a storm, I advise you to get on your knees and say to Jesus, Lord, forgive me. Help me. Turn around. Because if you don't he'll prepare a fish he'll just he'll, he'll do it he's not giving up on you you understand that don't you he doesn't do that he's not going to give up on you he loves you and he has a call on you and, he, and his, his call is without repentance He's not going to pull it back. Everything he wants of you, every call he has on, on you, it's staying. Don't wrestle with God. In fact, embrace this call. It's the only place that you find true fulfillment in your life and destiny. That's the place. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, I thank you for every single person, Lord, Within the, the, the listening of my voice right now, God, I pray. I know that there are people right now that are listening right now that there are, they are far from God. Some have never come to know you. They've been running from you your, their whole life. And Lord, today's the day that they can say yes. And I want to say to those of you that that, 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 that is the, your case. You've been running from God your whole life. You've been distant from God your whole life. You might not have even known you were running from God, but you've been away from God. And the answer for you is Jesus. Jesus died for your sins. He was buried, and he conquered death. He is the Savior of your soul. And if you want Christ, you just open your heart to him right now, right where you are, and you just say, Jesus, come into my life. 
cleanse my soul from my sin. I want to turn to you, God. I want you to be my Savior. I surrender my heart to you. Help me. Help me to follow you, I pray. Today I make a choice, Jesus, that you are my Savior and I'm a Christian. From now on, I will follow you the best I know how. In Jesus' name. Then, Lord, I just pray for those who are, Lord, they're just off to Tarshish. And, uh, Lord, they know who they are. And today, I know you've awakened that. Lord, I pray that, Lord, lives will be transformed right now as they're saying to you, God, forgive me. Help me, Lord. I want to I want to fulfill what you've called me to do, and I know what I need to do next. So, Lord, help me. I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus be the center of my life Jesus be the center of my life Beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you, Jesus Jesus, sing that again so Jesus be the center of my life Lord Jesus be the center of my life From beginning to the end It will always be, it's always been you Jesus Jesus, nothing else matters
Jesus. Yes, Lord, we worship you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you, church. God bless you online here in the parking lot. We'll see you guys online Wednesday night. God bless. So from my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. From my heart to the heavens, Jesus be the center. It's all about you. Yes, it's all about you. So Jesus, be the center of my life. Jesus, be the center of my life. From beginning to the end, it will always be, it's always been you, Jesus. Jesus. 